Good morning to Talk Back. It's another Saturday. It's the first Saturday in the month of April. Welcome to Talk Back, hosted by none other than yours truly, Gloria Shea. So happy to be here with you this morning. I have some exciting stories I'd like to share with you. Uh, and some of it is not quite on an up note, uh, but nevertheless, I think we need to talk about it. Let's uh, start the show by uh, honoring and thanking our sponsor, Walk and Step Safe Tub, uh, Safe and Step Walk and Tub. They actually have uh, become our first and our initial sponsor of Talk Back, and we are grateful to them for that. Uh, please be sure and give them a call if you have a loved one um, or a senior that is living with you and your current uh, bathroom shower condition is not really uh, comfortable or doable for the senior in your home, please give Walk Safe Step Walk and Tub a call at 1-888-214-7020. That's 1-888-214-7020. You can also go to their website at www.gotosafestep.com. They have a lot of different packages that they can do for your shower, your tub, to accommodate your seniors. They've got the new shower package. They've got the industry's leading low step in and they have the customized shower that they can certainly do for you. So you give them a call at 1-888-214-7020. Good morning. Welcome to Talk Back. Today is April the 6th, first Saturday in April. And I hope you've had a great week so far. We're going to talk about the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. And I'm sure many of you are aware of what is what happened really back in October of last year. Uh, he was a journalist for the, uh, actually he was the editor-in-chief uh, for the uh, El Arab News Channel. And he was also a journalist, of course, for the Washington Post. So we want to talk about the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, that did occur October 2nd. 2008, that was October of last year. Uh, it happened right in the consulate uh, in Istanbul, the consulate for Turkey in Turkey, right there in Istanbul. And uh, many say it was perpetrated by agents of the Saudi Arabian government. This hasn't been proven. It's uh, been speculated since this happened in October, uh, since it was reported to have happened in October of last year but it has not been proven. And by the way, let me just start off saying that this current administration has totally downplayed it, met right with uh, the Arabian uh, uh, ministers there, the, uh, the, the heads of state for the, uh, for the Arab government right after this, not long after the assassination was reported and confirmed. The exact cause of Khashoggi's death, by the way, uh, is unknown still to this day. Uh, since his body has not been located or examined, they haven't been able to, of course, examine a body that they cannot locate. So unfortunately, uh, the cause of death is unknown. Government officials um, from several different countries all over the globe, including Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the United Kingdom, France and Germany, all of them believe Khashoggi was murdered. Never at once did the president of our country here say that he was murdered and that there were ties related to the Saudi Arabian government. He knows, he did confirm that he was murdered, of course, unfortunately he was murdered, 
our president did confirm that, of course, because all the news reports did that all over the globe. But never once has he uh, explicitly said that he blames the Saudi Arabian government. So uh, that's a twist, of course, that we're not unfamiliar with with this administration. Here's what we do know. Khashoggi entered the consulate. He went in to to get documents related to the marriage to he and his fiance were planning. By the way, his fiance was waiting outside the day this happened in the car. Video shows Gashoki going into the consulate, never shows him coming out. There was no security camera footage of him exiting the building. Nothing has been found on that. So he was then he was declared a missing person. And then so we started to get news reports claiming that he was assassinated and actually dismembered right inside the consulate. When the disappearance of Gashoki was first reported by the news media, Right out, right out the gate, Saudi Arabia claimed that he had left the consulate and denied having any knowledge about his fate. Then the Turkish media published evidence suggesting that Khashoggi never came out. There was never any video showing him coming out. There was video showing him going in, never showing him coming out. And he, he had never had any contact after going in with his fiance or anyone else. Okay, so... Then the international community called for accountability of those responsible for killing and more clarity on this case. The Turkish authorities reported various facts to the news media because it did happen. Let's remember right in the, at the consulate right there in Istanbul. So no one other than Turkey initially came out and said, hey, now the Washington Post, where he was a journalist, of course, cried foul many times. Here's what we know. The Washington Post reported on October 10th. Remember, he, he was reported going in, and we believe his murder occurred October 2nd. So the Washington Post on October 10th of last year said that the U.S. intelligence intercepted communications of Saudi officials discussing a plan ordered by the crown prince, Ben Salman, to capture Khashoggi from his home in Virginia. The intercepted communications were regarded as significant because Khashoggi Khashoggi had bought a home in McLean, Virginia, where he lived after fleeing uh, Saudi Arabia. Khashoggi had obtained a visa, also known as the Genius Visa, that offers individuals extraordinary, extraordinary ability and achievement in the science, arts, education, and other fields. That's what we know. So the Washington Post somehow got their hands on U.S. intelligence recordings and accepting communications of the Crown Prince Ben Salman ordering his capture from his home. So there's a there was a plot that was started then, okay, before he was actually captured in the, at, at the consulate. Now, Khashoggi had applied for U.S. citizenship, and I'm not quite sure if that went through. I don't think it did pri- uh, before he actually... Uh, was unfortunately was murdered. Um, but I mean, it's, 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 it's this here again. The thing is, why has not our administration, the Trump administration, why has not we just cried foul here? What's the purpose of that? Why had we not done that? Now, right here's another thing that we know. 
right before the assassination, Khashoggi was launching projects, projects to combat online abuse in an attempt to consolidate the opposition and accuse the crown prince, Muhammad, of mismanaging the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Khashoggi collaborated with Omar Abdelzai, one of the most visible public critics of the Saudi regime. So we know that Khashoggi was well known for criticizing the crown prince. That is not a secret. Crown prince Ben Salman was no friend to Khashoggi. There was no love lost there. So we know that there was no, that he had ruffled the feathers, more than ruffled the feathers, he had really had, crown prince had called for his assassination, called for it. This is what we know. Here's also what we know. Khashoggi and Abdelzi were also working on a short film showing how the Saudi leadership was dividing the country. There is actually was a website tracking human rights and uh, things like that. So Khashoggi was working on revealing how the crown prince was dividing the country in Saudi Arabia and doing many other illegal things. So his head was called for by the crown prince. In the summer of 2018, before he was killed, uh, in the summer of 2018, uh, Abdulzi's cell phone was infected with a surveillance tool. This was first revealed on October 1 of 2018 in a detailed forensic report. So Khashoggi was writing stories about Trump. He was writing stories about the crown prince in the Washington Post. He was revealing things that were going on in in his former country that he felt were damaging to the people of Saudi Arabia. And he was reporting it. He was letting the word out. He was working on a short film that he was going to show how the uh, Saudi leadership was dividing the country. He was working on a website, supposedly, with all of this information. So, so these are things that we actually, that we know. We know that on October 8, October 2nd, Khashoggi went into the Turkey consulate and he never came out. And then eventually they did declare him as that he was murdered. Now, Turkey officials also released an audio recording of his killing that they that they alleged they contained evidence that Khashoggi had been assassinated on the orders of the Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. Several days later, around about November 16th, the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA here in our country, members who internally analyzed multiple sources of intelligence, concluded that Mohammed bin Salman ordered Khashoggi's assassination on the, on the 20th of November, our U.S. President Donald Trump disputed the CIA's assessment and stated that the in- investigation into Khashoggi's death had to continue. We've heard no new stories, headlines of our president pushing for this investigation to continue. We've had no new developments come out of the the press recently concerning the Khashoggi uh, killing. So Trump met with the crown prince 
within weeks after this, this killing, publicly, publicly said that he didn't believe that the crown prince ordered the killing. CIA had tapes of him ordering him to be captured, kidnapped from his own home in Brooklyn, Virginia. And yet our president refuses to collaborate with his own intelligence agency. Is this disturbing? Is this, are we so conditioned now to what's happening and what's coming out of this administration that we've become numb to real facts and real information, even when it comes down to someone's life being taken? Are we so numb? Are we so consumed by the rhetoric that comes out of this White House? Have we been dummied down? Because clearly this administration obtained CIA confirmation that it was ordered by the crown prince for factual reasons, a long list of factual reasons why they wanted him done with and over with and never able to speak again. He was a U.S. citizen, by the way. I said earlier I wasn't going to trip. Yeah, he was a U.S. citizen. He was a journalist for the Washington Post. And that meant absolutely nothing. So, (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to ruffle some feathers here with this particular coverage of the Khashoggi killing. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't care. It has to be talked about. It should be talked about more in our prime media. This should not be just left to just die or wade in the water, so to speak. This should be still, there should be ongoing investigations of the Khashoggi killing. Why hasn't it become that? Certainly this administration has not, it doesn't want that to happen. Clearly. He fled, by the way, Khashoggi fled Saudi Arabia back in June of 2017. And he went into like a self-imposed exile in the U.S. He became a frequent contributor to publications like the Washington Post, Global Opinion Section, and continued to criticize the government from afar. And he paid for it. He paid for it. He was sharply critical of Saudi Arabia's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. He was an arch enemy of the crown prince and the crown prince had no love loss for Khashoggi. He opposed the Saudi Arabian led intervention into Yemen. Yemen. He said, the government banned me from Twitter when I cautioned against an overly enthusiastic embrace of then president elect Donald Trump. So in September of 2017, the Washington Post published its first column by Khashoggi in which he criticized the prince and the kingdom's direction and advocated for reform in his country. Once he started collaboration with the Washington Post, 
That's when the harassment started by the crown prince and his henchmen. You're listening to Talk Back right here on Anchor Podcast. Be sure and, and support our sponsor, Safe Step Walk In Top. Give them a call, 1 888 214 7020. That's 1 888 214 7020. You've got a loved one, senior, that you're taking care of living with you, and you need to really customize your shower or your bathtub. You give Safe Step Walk In Top a call, 1 888 214 7020. Yeah, so that's kind of what what we were talking about today, part of our show today is about uh, Khashoggi, the Khashoggi killing, the Jamal Khashoggi killing and how unfortunate that was for his family, but not only for his family, but for us here in, in our country, the United States and in his own country. There were many that mourned the killing, that uh, crowd outraged. They were outraged because of it. Not many here in our country. The media did a pretty good job of covering it when it first happened uh, October of last year, but we haven't, there is no ongoing uh, investigation, not that I'm aware of. I haven't heard anything about it in the media at all. And speaking of the media, speaking of our media here in the United States, wow. I'm gonna kind of make a shift here and move to that. And we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the Gradual Disappearing Act of the White House Daily Press Briefing. Has, has anyone out there noticed that's like, it's like non-existent right now? We don't really have typical press briefings by the president as we used to have from President Obama, President Bush before him, President Clinton before him. <laughs> have you noticed it's, there has been a slow, gradual disappearing act of the White House daily press briefing? Trump has literally recreated uh, how he wants to do that. And uh, you'll, you've noticed that he comes out on the lawn maybe or somewhere in the, uh, on the, um, the locale of the White House and he'll have the press gather there and he'll be walking out and he'll give short, um, sometimes very angry remarks. Um, but the Trump White House, in my opinion, has dropped it just totally dropped this event. They used to be one of the, I'm sure journalists would agree with me, just a prize invite for them and their families to DC. It's kind of like what just, I mean, crucial to, to the media and the daily press briefing has been slowly, but surely disappearing. I think the last one that we had was, back in like uh, November this of uh, 2018. And that was the only one held that month according to reports I'm looking at here. Only two were held in October, just one in September, press briefings. And some of you may not even notice it all that much because it's really, like I said, are we, are we being dummied down? Are we really, are we really paying attention to what's going on with this administration. Are we really paying attention? Are we just looking for sound bites that he's very uh, effective with diversion? He's very crafty with diverting the attention away from the, the actual events that are occurring 
and he he loves to throw your mind onto something, some sort of uh, um, circus, I'll say. So are we really listening to what he's saying? Are we really listening to the reports coming out of the White House? Just wondering, are you listening out there? Just wondering. Now, all of you know Sarah Huckabee Sanders, right? She's the White House press secretary. And she says that we have one of the most accessible administrations in modern history. (laughs) That's coming from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House current press secretary, which he's had out many by now. I don't know, maybe five or six. He's had a few press secretaries that he's fired. (laughs) My. So I, I wouldn't agree with that. I don't know if you would. I certainly wouldn't agree with it. Not from what I've seen. I can't say that that's true or accurate in any form. And many reporters, I'm sure, would agree with me. I'm sure they would. The briefings, the press briefings during the Trump era um, are more kind of exercises in fertility than anything else. Uh, Remember, our president chooses to use Twitter, more Twitter, and uh, to kind of communicate what he's thinking versus doing it the traditional way. And, you know, our president, unfortunately, likes to pick fights. He's probably the best at that than any other president I have in my lifetime. I don't quite remember that posture being taken by any other president that I've known since a ki- since being a, chi- a kid, since President Kennedy, I would say. I, I just, I've never seen it quite before. And remember, remember Sean Spicer, press secretary? Remember his, his, <laughs> his confrontations with reporters? And it became a just, oh my God, just, it was a gift that kept on giving to Saturday Night Live. Remember all that? How insane that was. And they just, they just took off with that. Unbelievable. It just gave me, it made me laugh uncontrollably on many nights when I would look at that. But why has, what right does the president have to really take away a tradition that we've had in our, in our government for many, many years. I just don't know how he can do that. Briefings are good for clearing up um, the president's views on important issues that go on in our country. So they're very crucial and very important. It's a way for not only the press to be able to report with their particular news media, but it's a, an opportunity for us, the public and the American citizens to get factual information or concise information from the president himself on, on very, very important issues that we, um, you know, that we, we need to know about. Briefings under this administration have gotten extremely ugly. Do you remember any of those? Really, really ugly. 
And with the president, uh, with Sanders, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Getting ready for a daily briefing was a big part of getting the government to meet its obligation to keep the public informed, pure and simple. This is what every administration has followed for years, except this one. It's, it, it has to be, it, it, it has to recognize that there is a public right to know. So now, where is it? This administration is trying to totally reorganize, redefine what we as American citizens has a right to know and when we have a right to know. Restricting from live t- TV to make it more of a working session is less poster- posturing. Who has been a who has been better at posturing than this president? I would like to know. Who? What president has been better at posturing than Donald Trump? Now, by the way, Huckabee Sanders uh, did say that she thought that briefings were still a useful tool, but a lot of the time the theatrics of it take away from the news component. I agree. I agree with her 1,000%. Because when the, when the reporters ask her something that she knows her, her, her chief... Her commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, does not want the real truth or the real answer to come out. She postures, and she does a very bad job of it. She simply flips it off as something that's not. She's done. That's maybe why she's remained as his press secretary longer than anyone now. Because she's able to really emulate and communicate him, I think, better than anyone before her. But for being transparent, she's failed miserably at that. She has not been transparent, which we as the American people have a right to. This is a fundamental right. The president has, should want to be transparent. He should want to be able to answer questions from all, all of the press, not just some of the press, not just the, conser- the, the Fox News which upcoming weeks I'm going to talk about Fox News and its relationship to this administration and how he's utilized this news channel, this news uh, conglomerate. Literally, it's like he has them on staff, on his staff, paid staff, to promote his ideas and his agenda. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the upcoming weeks as well. So press briefings, unfortunately, is, is, has become a disappearing act. The daily press briefings. Now our president prefers to tweet out uh, what's on his mind and how he feels about certain sp- uh, particular situations here. His tax reforms has been called for by Congress. And he's pushing back on that, as you well, many of you may well know. He's pushing back. His attorneys are pushing back on that. We'll see what happens with that. That's something that I don't, I don't know how he could have literally got elected without showing his tax returns. No president has ever been elected without doing such. How did, how did he get away with that? This is what I'm saying. Have we become dummy down? Have we become so uh, enthroned with his rhetoric 
that we can't see the forest for the trees? Not sure. Another interesting note, this is kind of sort of old news, not really new hot topics, but kind of sort of old news. As gas prices rise, Trump tweets for more oil production. He tweeted recently that OPEC should boost production amid a prolonged rise in the U.S. gasoline prices. He thinks it's very important that OPEC increase the flow of oil. He thinks rural markets are fragile. Price of oil is getting too high. Thank you. Trump tweeted Thursday, referring to the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, which is part of the International Oil Cartel. While he didn't reference the price of gas, analysts say his tweet likely came in response to the rising price of fuel. The national average price hit $2.69. That was Thursday of uh, last week, up 28 cents from a month ago, up 9 cents from a week ago. All experts were thinking it was just a matter of time before Trump tweeted about it. So, that's pretty interesting. Be sure and patronize our sponsor, Safe Step Walk and Top. Safe Step Walk and Top. Call them 1-888-214-7020. My time is just about up. I hope you've enjoyed Talk Back today. And we may even look into expanding the show to an hour we get enough positive response. You've been listening to Talk Back, and it's been a pleasure to be with you today, April 6, 2019. Uh, you've been listening to Talk Back. We are, we'd like to think we're pretty progressive and even somewhat conservative uh, talk format. And I want to be able to bring uh, even more exciting news. Uh, Yeah, we talked about uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the start of this show, and it wasn't uh, anything pleasant, but I felt it had to be covered. I would like to hear your response. Keep listening to Talk Back. My time is up. Until next time, America. Okay, good morning. It's Saturday morning and welcome to Talk Back. Uh, You're listening to Talk Back right here on Anchor Podcast with yours truly, Gloria Shea. Today is Saturday, April 14th and welcome to Talk Back. Uh, I had some technical difficulties this morning, not sure uh, what was going on there, but I had to log in and out of Facebook about 10 times to actually be able to uh, have access to my messenger account. I was going to have a guest on today. Miss Brenda Williamson-Smith was coming on today. Not really sure what happened. I'm still waiting for her to chime in. Today is Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to all of you out there. And I do thank you for listening to uh, Talk Back. I am actually uh, going to first off uh, talk about our sponsor, Safe Step Walk In Tub. You can reach them at 1 888 214 7020. That's 1 888 214 7020. Safe Step Walk In Tub. You give them a call if you've got a loved one, family member, elderly, or senior that um, needs help getting in and out of their tub, of their shower. You call Safe Step Walk In Tub. They have 
a lot of new shower packages. Uh, they customize the showers for the seniors and they have the industry leading low step in. So you call them 1-888-214-7020 or go to the website www.gotosafestep.com. Good morning. It's Saturday. Good to be with you this morning. And we're going to cover a few things, kind of revisit some topics that we covered in weeks past, um, go over some things that, uh, and then some new things. We're going to start off talking about the reparations bill um, that you may or may not have heard have heard of, not sure, but uh, actually Congressman John Conyers, um, who's about 87 years old now, uh, he's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he is the one who uh, who has repeatedly introduced what's, what he calls the H.R. 40 bill, and uh, what that bill will do is establish a commission to examine the institution of slavery and uh, restitution uh, for all of those that were uh, directly, indirectly um, uh, actually involved or was a part of the slavery, uh, the slave trade. Now, let me repeat that. We're going to start off talking about the reparations bill and Congressman John Conyers, who's about, I think about 87 years old now. He's a Democrat out of Michigan. He's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has repeatedly introduced what he calls the H.R. 40 bill that would establish a commission to examine, to look into the institution of slavery and its effects, okay, on all African-Americans. And the bill talks about restitution. Uh, it's, it's an idea that some form, some form of compensation payment needs to be made to the descendants of Africans, uh, all who were part of the Atlantic slave trade, right? So we're going to start off talking about that. Do you think that's appropriate? Do we understand it? What it means? Um, do we understand that this, uh, is something I don't think is going to go away, we recently had uh, the MSNBC uh, news outlet cover it and talk about how it could most certainly work and how it's much needed. Yeah, the reparations bill, uh, John Conyers introduced it. He's a Democrat out of Michigan. He's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has introduced what is called the H.R. 40 bill that would establish a commission. So the commission hasn't really been established yet, uh, but... It's something that he is trying to certainly get uh, legislated as a bill. And I think uh, I was going to have a guest on Miss Miss uh, Miss Smith today. Miss Williamson Smith out of uh, South Carolina was going to come on and talk about her views on the reparations bill. We we've been having some technical difficulties, so I apologize for that. But nevertheless, I think it's something that. It has a lot of um, seriousness to it. I think we need to not just let it fall by the wayside. And I have an idea myself personally what I think would be a great way to uh, institutionalize the uh, H.R. 40 bill and how it would actually directly affect the descendants of the Atlantic slave trade. 
I do have an idea of how I think it would work perfectly. I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with um, um, just a monetary um, agreement. I don't know how we would quite work that out if you go back to the hundreds of years, 300 plus years of slavery and then the descendants. I don't know how you would track all of that as far as how you would appropriate funding. But I do have something that I think would work quite well. And here it goes. Here goes. Let me preface that by <clears throat> talking about the scamming and the scandal that has affected the Ivy League colleges now. The latest update is that there were about 50 people, including Full House actress Lori Lawlin and actress uh, Felicia Huffman. There are about 50 people, including those two, who are facing federal fraud charges uh, brought on by the FBI, uh, by, an, by an FBI investigation uh, into an elaborate scheme to get their children into elite universities. For example, uh, Lori Lawlin, who's a full, who was the full house actress, her kid got into the University of Southern Cal. And so now she's been indicted, okay, for fraud by the FBI. And there were others, uh, about 50 people total, it says here, And so to get their kids into elite universities, millions of dollars in bribes were paid to get their kids admitted into schools like Yale, Stanford, and other schools like the University here again of of Southern Cal. Number of things that they, that they, number of crimes that they did here, morally, I guess you could say, as well as um, um, just something they that was illegal right they were allowing their kids to cheat on act tests there was money paid to coaches to say that their kids were being recruited to play sports at their schools there was money paid on average of between ten thousand dollars all the way up to seventy five thousand to have other people take the SAT and the ACT tests for their kids. Can you believe that? Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's just part of some of the things that they have been doing. And it's outrageous. These are parents of kids who can afford to send their kids to these Ivy League schools, period. These are kids just like all other kids, if they simply prepare, study, get good grades in high school, have counseling, all the things that normal kids do to get into these colleges, whether they're Ivy League colleges or not, these privileged kids should have been able to do. However, their parents chose to have them cheat on their SAT and ACT test scores, They paid coaches to say that these kids are being recruited to play sports. Therefore, they are are allowed to get in on not on academic status, but because they're being recruited to play sports. And some of them even paid anywhere between 10 grand up to $75,000 to have others take the test for their kids. So, I mean, outrageous. But now I hope justice is going to be awarded because 
around 50 folks have been um, now indicted by the FBI. Charges have been brought by the FBI investigation into these schemes. Colleges for years, for years, this is nothing new, have unfortunately been able to partner with these parents. This is nothing new. It's just now coming out. And they cannot fix their own unfair admission process on their own. They just simply cannot do it. My idea for the uh, reparations bill is to be able to go in and apply funding to underprivileged kids in distressed areas and help them get into the more Ivy League colleges like Harvard and Yale, University of Southern Cal. I think that would be great. I really do. I think that would be awesome of a way of repairing, compensating the descendants of the Atlantic slave trade. What better way to do that? Here again, they would have, these are, these are underprivileged kids in distressed areas, urban areas, all over the country. They all just make counseling more readily available, make funding more readily available, and allow the percentage of entry into these Ivy League schools to go up. That's what I propose. That's a great way to distribute funding for the reparations bill that Congressman John Conyers has introduced. It's called the H.R. 40 bill. I think it would be great. I do. I, I just think that would be a great way. First of all, the bill has to be passed in Congress, and that's a great way to, to institutionalize it and appropriate funding. Now, even people like our president's um, son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, parents have, it's a well-known fact that his parents have donated to Harvard. And here's what happens when you donate, you know, like donate a lot of money to schools like Harvard and Yale. Okay. Here's how that process, there are even those that have donated a building right? And their name gets on the building. Well, here's, here's kind of how the process goes. They first get an acceptance letter from the, from the Ivy league school. All right. And then they are pretty much in, they're just in the normal process is being tampered with. So that's what we don't want. You're listening to talk back right here on anchor podcast with yours truly Gloria Shea. And uh, we have a sponsor that has stepped up to the plate from the very beginning with us. They are Safe Step Walk-In Tub. You can call them today at 1-888-214-7020. That's 1-888-214-7020. Safe Step Walk-In Tub. If you have a loved one senior living with you, or they're still living on their own, but they're having trouble getting in and out of their tub, maybe stepping over into the sh- uh, into the tub or the shower, uh, and it's just not working for them now. Give Safe Step Walk-In Tub. They have great um, custom customized shower packages. They are the industry-leading low step-in uh, provider, and you can call them today at 1-888-214-7020. 
So we're talking about a couple things today. We're talking about the reparations bill that was actually since 1989, Congressman John Conyers has been trying to get this bill approved. He's the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has repeatedly introduced the H.R. 40 bill. This bill would establish a commission to examine the institution of slavery and restitution. I think that would be a great way to a a part of restitution uh, for the Atlantic slave trade. I really do allow kids in the urban areas and distressed areas. Okay. Underprivileged kids. Okay. Give them uh, a way to adequate guidance, counseling, help with testing on the SAT, ACT scores, and give them a guaranteed financial aid package. Give that to them. I think that would be a great way for uh, this bill to be effective, to help cause and create real change in the urban community. And you're not, and and they're not asking, they're not standing there with their hands out. They're just asking for a lift up, a hand up, not a hand out. Adequate guidance, counseling, help with testings on the SAT, ACT test, and give them a guaranteed package of financial aid. What do you think? I think that would be great. I really do. I think that would be a great way to, a great place to start. There may be even some other areas that um, the congressman uh, has in mind. I'm not sure of all uh, of his um, suggestions for this bill, but I thought it was an interesting topic to cover, and we'll be revisiting this as at a later date uh, as well. We did a few weeks back talk about the colleges and the unfortunate um, scams that uh, privileged parents were participating in to get their kids into these Ivy League schools. We talked about that on a few show, a few episodes back. So we are revisiting that today, and it looks like something now is being done about that. There has been about 50 uh, people who, um, including Full House actress Lori Lawlin and actress uh, Felicia Huffman, that they are facing federal fraud charges right now. And the FBI has been investigating it, and it looks like they're bringing forth some charges. It's been all over the news this past week, so the, that's one of the hot topics that we we want to bring to you. We certainly are, are grateful that we were able to bring it to you when it first broke, what was going on with this with the Ivy League schools. So now it's it appears that uh, the justice will is being enforced. And I, with the reparations bill that we started out talking about, that it was introduced by Congressman John Conyers, a Democrat out of Michigan. I think this is my own input. You know, you may have something different that you would want to add, but I personally think that uh, that would be a great way to actually appropriate some sort of restitution um, for the Atlantic slave trade, which happened over 300 years ago. So anyhow, uh, and so that's kind of what we, we, we started out with. There's also a lot of things going on in the news with the closing of the border. Our, uh, the Trump administration is still um, contemplating shutting down the southern border. And um, I'm not sure uh, if he's overstepping his bounds on this one. Not sure if it's legal to do that. I'd have to look into that. 
but he is threatening here again to shut the border down. But what would be, I mean, here's something to think about. What are the humanitarian implications here? What are the diplomatic implications? What's the economic impact that it would have on our country as well as Mexico if he shuts the border down? There is such a thing as a humanitarian concern here, right? There is such a thing as the humanitarian concern. So what are the humanitarian implications? What are the diplomatic implications? And what's the economic impact? The list is long, folks. There's a long list here. Let's start out with the auto manufacturing. Auto manufacturing there. What impact would that have? On our own economic situation, the economy is doing well right now. Why would he even want to attempt to damage that right now is totally beyond me. Beyond the automotive industry and how it would be affected, there are quite a few cars, you know, still being made in Mexico in case you didn't know. Quite a few, quite a few cars. So if, so if he shuts down the border, what's the implications there? Retail of fresh produce shortages. Have you thought about that one? I mean, we're so used to going to the supermarket today and literally taking off the shelf all the produce, right? Fresh produce that we want. It's a given. But can you imagine if he shuts the border down that we'd have to deal with some shortages on fresh produce? The pricing would certainly go up. I mean, we export and import fresh produce from Mexico. Stephen Miller, who is Trump's senior advisor uh, for Homeland Security, is pushing this thing like nothing else. Word is that he has always uh, been committed to strict uh, immigration laws. That's the that's. Something that we know, Steve uh, Stephen Miller, he's Trump's senior advisor Homeland uh, for Homeland Security, and um, he is the one supposedly, uh, probably the strongest advocate of uh, restricting immigration here into this country. But not only produce, the auto industry, produce, retail fresh produce shortages we'd have to deal with, the cattle, think about the, you know, U.S. exports and imports not only produce, but cattle from Mexico. And something I thought was totally, um, because no one's been covering this, but you got to deal with water, soil, toxic air. And by the way, this wall that our president wants to uh, build, along the southern border there is only about a 30-foot wall. It's only about a 30-foot wall that they're proposing to build. That's not really, I don't think that's gonna be much of a deterrent, do you? A 30-foot wall? I, I mean, I think that that's, there, there would be a way for them to get over just a 30-foot wall. He's mentioned something about steel, you know, concrete steel, but. And he's kind of shifting here. You notice how he shifts back and forth. He was talking about the wall and 
declaring a national emergency to build the wall since Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, shot it down. Then he went on a, a rant about, well, I'm just going to declare a national emergency, which he did, and I'm going to use funds for that, which means he would be taking funding from federal, from the military and other places to build this wall. And the wall supposedly, supposedly is only going to be about a 30-foot wall. Interesting. How can that solve the illegal immigration issue that we have here in our country. How is that going to solve that? I just, I don't know. I think there has to be other, we have to have a commission really come together and talk about ways and means to really solve the illegal entry of immigrants here into our country. It's not something I think we should ignore, just the opposite. We should confront it. We should, uh, you know, face it head on and come up with a solution, but a common solution that helps all involved. You do know he's got kids and adults there now near the southern border in cages. And he's had it like he's had, they've been there for months going through processes, like over 2,000 families or more. So it's just amazing when, how he shifts from one thing to another and how he diverts the attention from one thing to another instead of really getting anything done. What do you think of Nancy Pelosi? And has she been effective with dealing with Trump? I think she has. I think she's been very effective. I think Trump realizes that he has a real foe in Nancy Pelosi. I really do. The Democratic candidates, the the arena keeps growing and growing. Uh, there's others, uh, Ohio representative, Tim Ryan has thrown his hat into the ring now among a few others. Um, as far as uh, raising money, it looks like Bernie Sanders leads the pack with, uh, the most money raised thus far in the, in the, um, in the, uh, uh, the, uh, election to come up in 2020 for the for the president Bernie Sanders has raised the more money and he's really raised a lot of money with uh, five and ten dollar donations from online he's done that uh, pretty well I did the same, same thing with uh, former president Barack Obama he was very successful with the um, with the grassroots uh, programs and that he uh, initial and uh, instituted when he ran for president, he had a great grassroots program and they really just, and they, he, I mean, he really got a lot of money from online, small donations, small donors. Same thing with here with Bernie, the current um, candidate, Bernie Sanders. But yeah, Ohio representative Tim Ryan has now thrown his hat in the ring. We've got, uh, I think our probably our serious candidates are Bernie, um, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Cory Booker, of course, Senator Kamala Harris, and um, Beta O'Rourke has thrown his hat in. Joe Biden is still missing. <laughs> we haven't really got an official uh, announcement from um, former Vice President Joe Biden. Not sure why. Don't know what that's all about. But um, um, 
we're waiting to see what happens. You're listening to Talk Back right here with yours truly, Gloria Shea. And if you have a loved one, senior, who has some issues now getting in and out of the tub or the shower, you call Safe Step Walk-In Tub at 1-888-214-7020. Give them a call. Let them know that you heard about Safe Step Walk-In Tub right here on Talkback. And they have uh, they can customize your shower uh, packages, your bath packages. They are the industry's leading. They have the leading low step-in available. They have a 14-point quality control inspection that they'll do for you. Give them a call, 1-888-214-7020, and they'll come out and give you a free estimate. Or you can go to their website at www.gotosafestep.com. You're listening to Talk Back with yours truly, Gloria Shea. We got off to a late start today. My apologies. We actually had a guest that I was gonna bring on for you. We had some technical difficulties. We actually started uh, taping around 10.30 or so. Our show generally is taped at 10 a.m. every Saturday, but I did have some technical difficulties and it kind of held me up for about 30 minutes. (laughs) And so anyhow, but uh, we got it going. Brenda Williamson-Smith out of South Carolina was going to join us today and give us her take on the presidential candidates as well as some other information, other news and other hot topics that are going on today in our country. I have, uh, what do you think of that idea I came up with though about um, this would be a great way to get smart kids, more of them into Ivy League schools, they will become better, more productive citizens of our country. Can you imagine where if we could just raise the bar for, I mean, specifically for the distressed areas in our country? Can you imagine how, what a win-win that is and how that could profit and benefit our country if we would do that? Can you imagine that? I mean, where it's, it's a law and they have to appropriate funding but not just funding, not just funding, but they would actually give uh, these kids adequate guidance and counseling and, and, and help them with testing and getting high scores. I think that would be the best way for the reparations bill to be truly effective for the descendants of the Atlantic uh, slave trade. I really do. I don't think there's anything better that would work better than that. Now, could there be other things added? Sure. Why not? Let's take a look at all things that can do to help urban and distressed areas. Why not? Who benefits from that? We all do. Our country as a whole benefits when we pitch in and help one another become better citizens, better human beings. I, I, I like that idea. I like it. I really do. I think it would be just awesome because colleges, come on. They cannot fix their own unfair admission process on their own. They need help. And this would be a great way to help them. Uh, And guess what? We win. It's a win-win. We all win. They would create more African-American engineers, doctors, lawyers, teachers, professors, politicians. I mean, it's, it's just something that... I haven't heard being mentioned before, but I tell you, I think it would work beyond belief. I think it would work greatly. You've been listening to Talk Back. 
and my name is Gloria Shea. I do thank you for listening. Please look out for Talk Back on Anchor Podcast because we're coming and we're going to be bringing on some live guests in the near future. I promise you that's going to happen. And um, we're going to have even more interesting topics. I like to hear what you think of Talk Back. And if you have some ideas for topics, let me know. I'd be happy to hear those as well. Uh, We are here to explore, to examine, to revisit, to bring forth just good information and things that can help transform um, us as you make us better human beings. How about that? I don't think we could get enough of that. I really don't think so. I think that the more we can do to better our people, then we better our country. The more we do to better our people, then we are able to better our country. Well, that's my time. My time is up. You've been listening to Talk Back with yours truly, Gloria Shea. Until next time, America. Okay, good morning. It's Saturday morning and welcome to Talk Back. Uh, You're listening to Talk Back right here on Anchor Podcast with yours truly, Gloria Shea. Today is Saturday, April 14th and welcome to Talk Back. Uh, I had some technical difficulties this morning, not sure uh, what was going on there, but I had to log in and out of Facebook about 10 times to actually be able to uh, have access to my messenger account. I was going to have a guest on today. Miss Brenda Williamson-Smith was coming on today. Not really sure what happened. I'm still waiting for her to chime in. Today is Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to all of you out there. And I do thank you for listening to uh, Talk Back. I am actually uh, going to first off uh, talk about our sponsor, Safe Step Walk-In Tub. You can reach them at 1-888-214-7020. That's 1-888-214-7020. Safe Step Walk-In Tub. You give them a call if you've got a loved one, family member, elderly or senior that um, needs help getting in and out of their tub, of their shower, you call Safe Step Walk-In Tub. They have a lot of new shower packages. Uh, They customize the showers for the seniors and they have the industry leading low step in. So you call them 1-888-214-7020 or go to the website www.gotosafestep.com. Good morning. It's Saturday. Good to be with you this morning. And we're going to cover a few things. Kind of revisit some topics that we covered in weeks past, um, go over some things that, uh, and then some new things. We're going to start off talking about the reparations bill, um, that you may or may not have, have heard of, not sure, but, uh, actually Congressman John Conyers, um, who's about 87 years old now, uh, he's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he is the one who uh, who has repeatedly introduced what's, what he calls the H.R. 40 bill. And uh, what that bill will do is establish a commission to examine the institution of slavery and uh, restitution uh, for all of those that were about, uh, uh, directly, indirectly um, uh, actually involved or 
was a part of the slavery, uh, the slave trade. Now, let me repeat that. The We're going to start off talking about the reparations bill and Congressman John Conyers, who's about, I think about 87 years old now. He's a Democrat out of Michigan. He's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. And he has repeatedly introduced what he calls the H.R. 40 bill that would establish a commission to examine, to look into the institution of slavery and its effects, okay, on all African-Americans. And the bill talks about restitution. Uh, it's, it's an idea that some form, some form of compensation payment needs to be made to the descendants of Africans, uh, all who were part of the Atlantic slave trade, right? So we're going to start off talking about that. Do you think that's appropriate? Do we understand it, what it means? Um, do we understand that this, uh, is something I don't think is going to go away, we recently had uh, the MSNBC uh, news outlet cover it and talk about how it could most certainly work and how it's much needed. Yeah, the reparations bill, uh, John Conyers introduced it. He's a Democrat out of Michigan. He's a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has introduced what is called the H.R. 40 bill that would establish a commission. So the commission hasn't really been established yet, uh, but... It's something that he is trying to certainly get uh, legislated as a bill. And I think uh, I was going to have a guest on Miss Miss uh, Miss Smith today. Miss Williamson Smith out of uh, South Carolina was going to come on and talk about her views on the reparations bill. We we've been having some technical difficulties, so I apologize for that. But nevertheless, I think it's something that. It has a lot of um, seriousness to it. I think we need to not just let it fall by the wayside. And I have an idea myself personally what I think would be a great way to uh, institutionalize the uh, H.R. 40 bill and how it would actually directly affect the descendants of the Atlantic slave trade. I do have an idea of how I think it would work perfectly. I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with um, um, just a monetary um, agreement. I don't know how we would quite work that out if you go back to the hundreds of years, 300 plus years of slavery and then the descendants. I don't know how you would track all of that as far as how you would appropriate funding. But I do have something that I think would work quite well. And here it goes. Here it goes. Let me preface that by <clears throat> talking about the scamming and the scandal that has affected the Ivy League colleges now. The latest update is that there were about 50 people, including Full House actress Lori Lawlin and actress uh, Felicia Huffman. There are about 50 people, including those two, who are facing federal fraud charges uh, brought on by the FBI, uh, by an an FBI investigation uh, into an elaborate scheme to get their children into elite universities. For example, uh, Lori Lawlin, who's a full, who was the full house actress, her kid got into the University of Southern Cal. And so now she's been indicted, okay, for fraud by the FBI. And there were others, uh, about 50 people total, it says here, 
and so to get their kids into elite universities millions of dollars in bribes were paid to get their kids admitted into schools like Yale Stanford and other schools like the University here again of uh, of Southern Cal number of things that they that they number of crimes that they did here morally I guess you could say as well as um, um, just something they that was illegal right they were allowing their kids to cheat on ACT tests there was money paid to coaches to say that their kids were being recruited to play sports at their schools there was money paid on average of between $10,000 all the way up to $75,000 to have other people take the SAT and the ACT tests for their kids can you believe that right so yeah I mean that's just part of some of the things that they have been doing and it's outrageous these are parents of kids who can afford to send their kids to these Ivy League schools period these are kids just like all other kids if they simply prepare study get good grades in high school have counseling all the things that normal kids do to get into these colleges if whether they're Ivy League colleges or not these privileged kids should have been able to do however their parents chose to have them cheat on their SAT and ACT test scores they paid coaches to say that these kids are being recruited to play sports therefore they are they are allowed to get in on not on academic status but because they're being recruited to play sports and some of them even paid anywhere between 10 grand up to $75,000 to have other take the test for their kids so i mean outrageous but now i hope justice is going to be awarded because around 50 folks have been um, now indicted by the FBI charges have been brought by the FBI investigation into these schemes colleges for years for years this is nothing new have unfortunately been able to partner with these parents this is nothing new it's just now coming out and they cannot fix their own unfair admission process on their own they just simply cannot do it my idea for the uh, reparations bill is to be able to go in and apply funding to underprivileged kids in distressed areas and help them get into the more Ivy League colleges like Harvard and Yale University of Southern Cal I think that would be great I really do. I think that would be awesome of a way of repairing, compensating the descendants of the Atlantic slave trade. What better way to do that? Here again, they would have these are these are underprivileged kids in distressed areas, urban areas all over the country. 
they all just make counseling more readily available, make funding more readily available, and allow the percentage of entry into these Ivy League schools to go up. That's what I propose. That's a great way to distribute funding for the reparations bill that Congressman John Conyers has introduced. It's called the H.R. 40 bill. I think it would be great. I do. I, I just think that would be a great way. First of all, the bill has to be passed in Congress, and that's a great way to, to institutionalize it and appropriate funding. Now, even people like our president's um, son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, parents have, it's a well-known fact that his parents have donated to Harvard. And here's what happens when you donate, you know, like donate a lot of money to schools like Harvard and Yale. Okay. Here's how that process, there are even those that have donated a building right? And their name gets on the building. Well, here's, here's kind of how the process goes. They first get an acceptance letter from the, from the Ivy league school. All right. And then they are pretty much in, they're just in the normal process is being tampered with. So that's what we don't want. You're listening to talk back right here on anchor podcast with yours truly Gloria Shea. And uh, we have a sponsor that has stepped up to the plate from the very beginning with us. They are Safe Step Walk-In Tub. You can call them today at 1-888-214-7020. That's 1-888-214-7020. Safe Step Walk-In Tub. If you have a loved one senior living with you, or they're still living on their own, but they're having trouble getting in and out of their tub, maybe stepping over into the sh- uh, into the tub or the shower, uh, and it's just not working for them now. Give Safe Step Walk-In Tub. They have great um, custom customized shower packages. They are the industry-leading low step-in uh, provider, and you can call them today at 1-888-214-7020. So we're talking about a couple things today. We're talking about the reparations bill that was actually since 1989, Congressman John Conyers has been trying to get this bill approved. He's the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he has repeatedly introduced the H.R. 40 bill. This bill would establish a commission to examine the institution of slavery and restitution. I think that would be a great way to a, a part of restitution. Uh, for the Atlantic slave trade. I really do. Allow kids in the urban areas and distressed areas, okay, underprivileged kids, okay, give them uh, a way to adequate guidance, counseling, help with testing on the SAT, ACT scores, and give them a guaranteed financial aid package. Give that to them. I think that would be a great way for uh, this bill to be effective, to help cause and create real change in the urban community. And you're not, and and they're not asking. They're not standing there with their hands out. They're just asking for a lift up, a hand up, not a hand out. Adequate guidance, 
counseling, help with testings on the SAT, ACT test, and give them a guaranteed package of financial aid. What do you think? I think that would be great. I really do. I think that would be a great way to, a great place to start. There may be even some other areas that um, the congressman uh, has in mind. I'm not sure of all uh, of his um, suggestions for this bill, but I thought it was an interesting topic to cover and we'll be revisiting this as at a later date uh, as well. We did a few weeks back talk about the colleges and the unfortunate um, scams that uh, privileged parents were participating in to get their kids into these Ivy League schools. We talked about that on a few show, a few episodes back. So we are revisiting that today and it looks like something now is being done about that. There has been about 50 uh, people who, um, including Full House actress Lori Lawlin and actress uh, Felicia Huffman, that they are facing federal fraud charges right now. And the FBI has been investigating it and it looks like they're bringing forth some charges. It's been all over the news this past week. So the, that's one of the hot topics that we, we want to bring to you. We certainly are, are grateful that we were able to bring it to you when it first broke, what was going on with, this, with the Ivy League schools. So now it's, it appears that uh, the justice will is being enforced. And I, with the reparations bill that we start out talking about, that it was introduced by Congressman John Conyers, a Democrat out of Michigan. I think this is my own input. You know, you may have something different that you would want to add, but I personally think that uh, that would be a great way to actually appropriate some sort of restitution um, for the Atlantic slave trade, which happened over 300 years ago. So anyhow, uh, and so, that's kind of what we, we, we started out with. There's also a lot of things going on in the news with the closing of the border. Our, uh, the Trump administration is still um, contemplating shutting down the southern border. And um, I'm not sure uh, if he's overstepping his bounds on this one. Not sure if it's legal to do that. I'd have to look into that. But he is threatening here again to shut the border down. But what would be, I mean, here's something to think about. What are the humanitarian implications here? What are the diplomatic implications? What's the economic impact that it would have on our country as well as Mexico if he shuts the border down? There is such a thing as a humanitarian concern here, right? (laughs) There is such a thing as the humanitarian concern. So what are the humanitarian implications? What are the diplomatic implications? And what's the economic impact? The list is long, folks. There's a long list here. Let's start out with the auto manufacturing. Auto manufacturing there. What impact would that have? On our own economic situation, the economy is doing well right now. Why would he even want to attempt to damage that right now is totally beyond me. Beyond the automotive industry and how it would be affected, there are quite a few cars, you know, still being made in Mexico in case you didn't know. Quite a few, quite a few cars. So if, so if he shuts down the border, what's the implications there? Retail of fresh produce, 
shortages. Have you thought about that one? I mean, we're so used to going to the supermarket today and literally taking off the shelf all the produce, right? Fresh produce that we want. It's a given. But can you imagine if he shuts the border down that we'd have to deal with some shortages on fresh produce? The pricing would certainly go up. I mean, we export and import fresh produce from Mexico. Stephen Miller, who is Trump's senior advisor uh, for Homeland Security, is pushing this thing like nothing else. Word is that he has always uh, been committed to strict uh, immigration laws. That's That's... Something that we know, Steve uh, Stephen Miller, he's Trump's senior advisor Homeland uh, for Homeland Security, and um, he is the one supposedly, uh, probably the strongest advocate of uh, restricting immigration here into this country. But not only produce, the auto industry, produce, retail fresh produce shortages we'd have to deal with, the cattle, think about the, you know, U.S. exports and imports not only produce, but cattle from Mexico. And something I thought was totally, um, because no one's been covering this, but you got to deal with water, soil, toxic air. And by the way, this wall that our president wants to uh, build, along the southern border there is only about a 30-foot wall. It's only about a 30-foot wall that they're proposing to build. That's not really... I don't think that's going to be much of a deterrent, do you? A 30-foot wall? I, I mean, I think that that's, there, there would be a way for them to get over just a 30-foot wall. He's mentioned something about steel, you know, concrete steel, but And he's kind of shifting here. You notice how he shifts back and forth. He was talking about the wall and declaring a national emergency to build the wall since Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, shot it down. Then he went on a a rant about, well, I'm just going to declare a national emergency, which he did, and I'm going to use funds for that, which means he would be taking funding from federal, from the military and other places to build this wall. And the wall supposedly supposedly is only going to be about a 30-foot wall. Interesting. How can that solve the illegal immigration issue that we have here in our country. How is that going to solve that? I just, I don't know. I think there has to be other, we have to have a commission really come together and talk about ways and means to really solve the illegal entry of immigrants here into our country. It's not something I think we should ignore, just the opposite. We should confront it. We should, uh, you know, face it head on and come up with a solution, but a common solution that helps all involved. You do know he's got kids and adults there now near the southern border in cages. And he's had it like he's had, they've been there for months. 
going through processes, like over 2,000 families or more. So it's just amazing when how he shifts from one thing to another and how he diverts the attention from one thing to another instead of really getting anything done. What do you think of Nancy Pelosi? And has she been effective with dealing with Trump? I think she has. I think she's been very effective. I think Trump realizes that he has a real foe in Nancy Pelosi. I really do. The Democratic candidates, the the arena keeps growing and growing. Uh, There's others. uh, Ohio Representative Tim Ryan has thrown his hat into the ring now, among a few others. Um, As far as uh, raising money, it looks like Bernie Sanders leads the pack with uh, the most money raised thus far in the in the um, in the the uh, election to come up in 2020 for the for the president, Bernie Sanders has raised more money, and he's really raised a lot of money with uh, five and ten dollar donations from online. He's done that uh, pretty well. I did the same thing with uh, former President Barack Obama. He was very successful with the um, with the grassroots uh, programs and that he uh, initial and uh, instituted. When he ran for president, he had a great grassroots program and they really just, and they, he, I mean, he really got a lot of money from online, small donations, small donors. Same thing with here with Bernie, the current um, candidate, Bernie Sanders. But yeah, Ohio representative Tim Ryan has now thrown his hat in the ring. We've got, uh, I think our probably our serious candidates are Bernie, um, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Cory Booker, of course, Senator Kamala Harris, and um, Beta O'Rourke has thrown his hat in. Joe Biden is still missing. <laughs> we haven't really got an official uh, announcement from um, former Vice President Joe Biden. Not sure why. Don't know what that's all about. But um, um, we're waiting to see what happens. You're listening to Talk Back right here with yours truly, Gloria Shea. And if you have a loved one, senior, who has some issues now getting in and out of the tub or the shower, you call Safe Step Walk-In Tub at 1-888-214-7020. Give them a call. Let them know that you heard about Safe Step Walk-In Tub right here on Talk Back. And they they can customize your shower Uh, packages, your bath packages. They are the industry's leading. They have the leading low step-in available. They have a 14-point quality control inspection that they'll do for you. Give them a call, 1-888-214-7020, and they'll come out and give you a free estimate. Or you can go to their website at www.gotosafestep.com. You're listening to Talk Back with yours truly, Gloria Shea. We got off to a late start today. My apologies. We actually had a guest that I was going to bring on for you. We had some technical difficulties. We actually started uh, taping around 1030 or so. Our show generally is taped at 10 a.m. every Saturday, but I did have some technical difficulties and it kind of held me up for about 30 minutes. (laughs) And so anyhow, but uh, we got it going. Um, 
Brenda Williamson-Smith out of South Carolina was going to join us today and give us her take on the presidential candidates as well as some other information, other news, and other hot topics that are going on today in our country. I have... uh, What do you think of that idea I came up with, though, about um, this would be a great way to get smart kids, more of them into Ivy League schools, They will become better, more productive citizens of our country. Can you imagine where we could just raise the bar for, I mean, specifically for the distressed areas in our country? Can you imagine what a win-win that is and how that could profit and benefit our country if we would do that? Can you imagine that? I mean, where it's, it's a law and they have to appropriate funding but not just funding, not just funding, but they would actually give uh, these kids adequate guidance and counseling and, and, and help them with testing and getting high scores. I think that would be the best way for the reparations bill to be truly effective for the descendants of the Atlantic uh, slave trade. I really do. I don't think there's anything better that would work better than that. Now, could there be other things added? Sure. Why not? Let's take a look at all things that can do to help urban and distressed areas. Why not? Who benefits from that? We all do. Our country as a whole benefits when we pitch in and help one another become better citizens, better human beings. I, I, I like that idea. I like it. I really do. I think it would be just awesome because colleges, come on. They cannot fix their own unfair admission process on their own. They need help. And this would be a great way to help them. Uh, And guess what? We win. It's a win-win. We all win. They would create more African-American engineers, doctors, lawyers, teachers, professors, politicians. I mean, it's, it's just something that... I haven't heard being mentioned before, but I tell you, I think it would work beyond belief. I think it would work greatly. You've been listening to Talk Back, and my name is Gloria Shea. I do thank you for listening. Please look out for Talk Back on Anchor Podcast because we're coming, and we're going to be bringing on some live guests in the near future. I promise you that's going to happen. And um, we're going to have even more interesting topics. I like to hear what you think of Talkback. And if you have some ideas for topics, let me know. I'd be happy to hear those as well. Uh, We are here to explore, to examine, to revisit, to bring forth just good information and things that can help transform um, us as you make us better human beings. How about that? I don't think we could get enough of that. I really don't think so. I think that the more we can do to better our people, then we better our country. The more we do to better our people, then we are able to better our country. Well, that's my time. My time is up. You've been listening to Talk Back with yours truly, Gloria Shea. Until next time, America. America.